Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Voles, site manager at OneFootDown.com on SB Nation. And with me tonight, as always, Jude Seymour. Jude, how you doing tonight? Great. Happy almost 4th. Yeah, almost 4th. Happy post-Canada Day. Is that all? Hey, the Maple, Band, the Maple Bandit himself, uh, Chase Claypool. Waving that Canadian flag with pride. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go. We need more of those Canadians, man. They got, they got some athletes up there. If they play as well I, as Chase Claypool, I'll take them all. Half of Notre Dame's recruiting analysts are Canadian. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's do it. So, yeah, we're all, we're all getting ready for 4th of July. I, I just got back from my, uh, from my anniversary day trip uh, with the bride, and I, I just kissed my kids goodnight. Judy, won't listen to this. So I, I went upstairs right before I called you and, and uh, gave the kids a kiss and glad you guys are back home. Guess what my daughter was doing? You'll never guess. Uh, watching Thomas the Train? No, listening to the OFD podcast. Oh yes, <laughs> we have made a fan. It, it's uh, because of our iTunes account, like on the computer, like it's all through my wife's stuff. Okay, and so my and my daughter's phone that she gets to have here at home, it runs through through my wife's stuff. So like, well, it'll like just come up like when Carrie hits random random stuff. So like my <laughs> my raw tracks before I send them to iTunes is actually. It, within our own like family thing, it's complicated, whatever. But it just like randomly comes up like in the car and stuff, and the kids love it. They like they hear it, and they're like, "Oh, hey, dad!" Blah 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 blah. And so I do that, <laughs> then I go over there and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Listening to this podcast." <laughs> and it's ours. I'm like, so my wife's giving me a funny look, like, like, well, watch what you're saying. So, <laughs> so right. I guess Shout now out. I actually have to make sure, or I'll. I'll be a little more uh, conscious in my language choices, I suppose. Shout out to our newest fan, somebody who's apparently not annoyed by my voice to turn it off. I'm very psyched about all of this, the, all of these developments. Yeah, I am too. And I well, and my kids know that that when the season starts, it's like all bets are off. Language, attitude, uh, <laughs> things getting tossed around the house. Uh, you know. It's uh, it's football season. They understand there's there is a difference in, in how you how you behave in your in your life. So anyway, so hey, tonight we are gonna we're gonna start getting this thing rolling. I, I think you know we're all been just kind of chucking along, and we just got rid of one month of summer, y'all. So we're we are less than two months. This is the last than- month without college football. Yeah. We're getting there, y'all. We're getting there. Don't wish your summer away, but uh, but you know the the. It's been slow and steady, but we're going to start getting into some shit. We're going to start, <laughs> we're going to start buckling down and, and start getting into uh, what's coming up this season. So tonight we're going Jude and I are going to lay out some uh, predictions. We're, we're not going to go game by game. That's going to be uh, in a series we got coming. We're probably immediately following uh, our next set of OFD podcasts, uh, but we're going to, we're going to go through, you know, some of our predictions for the season. Who's going to be the team leaders just kind of stuff like that. And, um, and to to those who have commented that they wanted a more structured podcast, I actually have notes in front of me. Uh, and it's it's more than just like uh, some weird hieroglyphic scribble. Um, so I think you're going to – I think you're in for a real treat. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. 
<laughs> yeah, neither can I. So let's let's just jump right on into it. Um, first thing we're going to get to tonight is, hey, overall, wins and losses for the year. You know, 12 games, Notre Dame was incredible last year with a 12-0 undefeated regular season. And then, uh, then something else happened, possibly, in the uh, college football playoff. But looking at our schedule this year, and there's been a lot of predictions. Uh, I think the over-under, Jude, correct me if I'm wrong, was the over-under set at eight and a half? I thought it was nine and a half. I think it depends on where you look. I think some have had, have eight and a half and some have had nine and a half. So that's I think that, that's, yeah, that is a huge difference. Um, a huge difference. Yeah. So if you believe that uh, nine is the answer, then uh, go find the site that gives you eight and a half and, and bet the <laughs> hell out of it or, yeah. or take the nine and a half and, and bet the under. I mean, that works too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can, you can win big either way. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I think there is a lot of discrepancy about what Notre Dame has in place. And I, I honest to God, and this is, I've given, I gave this a ridiculous amount of thought, probably more thought than it deserves. But um, at this point right now, but going through each game, singling out as much as I could, I, I, I have to, I'm saying 11 and one. And listen, Listen, and I am I am having you know listen, I thought well hold on a second hold on a second I thought listen, JP uh, JP Scott was bonkers for saying twelve and zero and now you're saying eleven and one which is like half bonkers so he's like he's full bonkers you're half bonkers. so so ridiculously hard but I just I I, I guess I'll say that Georgia is it I, I am look I am I've been on record about the. The uh, everyone placing all this fucking money down on Michigan, and it's absolutely insane. They're are they're trash, trash team, trash stadium, trash crowd. It's it's gonna be okay. I know I know Notre Dame's record under Brian Kelly up in up in uh in you know the, up in the toilet has not been all that great. I get that. Okay. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that means nothing to me. I mean, it really it really doesn't. We we have not traveled up there since 2013. Uh, this is 2019. So I mean, there was the, the fifth year seniors on this team were barely getting recruited when Notre Dame was still had last played up there. So I, I just think all that's out of it. I just think they're an overrated team, uh, hands down overrated. The same problems they had last year, they have this year. And a lot of the strengths that they had last year are gone. So <laughs> I don't know how a team gets better. Would you would you just say those those two sentences? The same problems they had last year are there, and the <laughs> the biggest strengths from last year are gone. So yeah, but Joshua, I think the question you have to ask yourself is who's got it better than them? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Harbaugh likes to say who's got it better than us. And I don't really don't know what that means, but I don't, I, lots of teams that have won. <laughs> I mean, um, I, 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 I think it's some, won more than one half of a championship. I wonder if somebody's gotten kicked off since as, World War two. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I wonder if somebody's like Alabama, Clemson, I don't know. <laughs> Texas, <laughs> Is Texas I mean, back now. <laughs> you shared a team with a title that would have waxed you in a game. Uh, if you if we would have been able to have a playoff back then, Nebraska would have waxed Michigan that year. Um, but uh, 
we have already stepped over the edge. <laughs> on that. All right. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm saying, let me, let me finish with my okay, prediction sorry. real quick though. Apologize. Just to look, just going straight down that, that list and realizing, I know Tim Priester on that, just, he loves to say, how the hell do we know? We're so much, and I get that. And he's absolutely right. I mean, he is, there is a ton of stuff that could go on, you know, throughout the season that can change everything that who gives a shit right now. We're in July. No one has to be dead accurate in July for God's sakes. Come on. But what I'm getting at is just going down team by team basis. Who do I think Notre Dame is better than? And I'm at 11 and one right now. And Georgia, I mean, is there's still a hope? I, I bet I almost guarantee you it's like a 22 20 game. Yeah, I disagree. But that's okay. I, I, I just, I know you and I are going to disagree on Georgia until t- we drop, until the game's played. Until the, the game's played, yeah. And then, and then I'm going to, then I'm gonna, all I'm going to do is tweet you a picture of Drew Tranquil. <laughs> flexing. Out, out, out in San Diego, flexing. You know? And then you'll, so you'll know. So th- that's where I'm at. I'm at 11. Okay. We'll talk about bowls uh, after it gets yours. What are you looking at season wise uh, record? I'm going to punk out and say nine and three. I think that's a, a very uh, safe prediction. Um, I do not think the Georgia game is going to be close. I think they do lose to Michigan. And the other one, if I put a gun to my head, I'm going to say Stanford, although I've, I've been on record worried about Virginia. Um, so I, I think that it's kind of a show-me season, and, and uh, those are the three toughest games. And, and frankly, I'm not at all confident um, that they can win any of those games on the road. Uh, Brian Kelly against ranked teams on the road has been uh, atrocious, and, uh, and would and you say he's abysmal? Abysmal, yes. Uh, subpar. <laughs> uh, so I'm fully expect <laughs> below Georgia's standard. Below standard. Uh, a coach Ocho Cinco uh, goes. Uh, I don't know what's the word. What's the Spanish word for nine and three? Uh, but anyways, that's what I think he does. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I get that, you know, and that still leads to the possibility of a double digit win season. So yes. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you go since, since you're popping nine <laughs> and three, what, what, what bowl game are you looking well, at right now? Well, I gotta be honest. I'm <clears throat> very partial to the belt bowl because it's run by the guy who used to run, uh, his name's Matt Repchuk. He runs the Twitter account. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. He used to run the old champ sports bowl, uh, there's no uh, way a nine-win Notre Dame team goes to the belt. I mean, well, that's a seven-win Notre Dame team. Well, Citrus, I don't know I don't know if they take them in the Citrus yeah, Bowl. Uh, now, you have to remember, Notre Dame gets the ACC bowl spots, right? And right. they all and they get within one game. So, like, a, a nine-win Notre Dame squad can take a ten-win ACC school's spot. So, so, so you start I, going down the list of – I'm not I'm not saying New Year's Six, though. <clears throat> Okay. So then, gonna, then I'm left with what Citrus Bowl, which they which they were at two years ago, and I doubt I mean, the Citrus Bowl wants them back. I mean, I'm gonna tell you right now. I mean, and this is no shit. You know, if they're nine and three, let's say eight, you know Clemson wins, you know the ACC, they're going to the playoffs, as, as we're all pretty confident they are. You still have an Orange Bowl spot open. They don't. I mean, at nine wins, I mean technically Notre Dame could get into the Orange Bowl. I mean, that's no shit. Technically. I'm, I'm more in the uh, camping which, world. Which ACC, which ACC team is going to be ranked high enough with 
you know, with a 10-win season. I mean, Dino Babers and uh, the Syracuse Orange, right? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 mean, I, don't okay, know. I guess that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think, you know, even a night – and this isn't – this is absolutely zero, like, homerism at all. I'm just basing this off of facts of a, what their bowl deal is. You know, whereas a nine-win team can, you know, well, I mean, by look, all rights. So the the I mean, uh, it, yeah, the camping, you, the camping world. Even that, bowl you're looking at it, you're looking at a citrus. Even after that, you're looking at looking at a citrus bowl over. You know, outside of that, so you go back to the citrus bowl or the Gator Bowl or. So Syracuse uh, went ten and three last year, including their win in the bowl I game. I mean, the Bell so, Bowl is just like it's so in the, the top tier of the bottom tier. The uh, Camping World Bowl, then is that is that more to your liking? I just want to go to Charlotte. I mean, well, Camping World still Orlando. That's my, the, my new prediction is eight and four, so they can go to the Belt Bowl. Are you happy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure that you lost know to the, Virginia. Know the bowl scenario here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if Notre Dame wins nine games and goes to the Belt Bowl, I quit. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely quit. Um, I want them to be in the bad boys Gasparilla bowl. <laughs> are they still, is it bad boys mowers that are still? No, uh, no, unfortunately not. Oh, damn it. No, they're, I, they're How really about, is the little Caesars quick lane bowl. Or is that not, a, not a thing I anymore? I think that's, uh, Hulan, Hulan, we eater independence bowl. Nope. It's, that is yeah. the, um, the, uh, walk ons independence bowl. Walk on to the restaurant down there in Shreveport. Is that uh, new, new era still doing the pin? I don't want to go back to the no. pinstripe. No. Yeah. New era is definitely doing the pinstripe. You know, I will say this though. If Notre Dame gets the camping world bowl bid. <laughs> Against that, the big 12 team. That, yeah. That is the only, I think, I believe that is the only, uh, bowl game where they play, where they possibly could play a, a big 12 school outside of like, you know, like the playoffs or something like, like that. the playoffs. Yeah. Or, or possibly maybe, a, a, I take that back. A BCS or not BCS, but a New Year's Six bowl berth. I mean, I know a lot of people. Um, one of our last guests <coughs> has, has Notre Dame playing uh, Brandon Wimbush and UCF in the in the Cotton Bowl next year. Um, but I so there's I, maybe there's that with the at large with an at large. But yeah, Camping World is one of the few. I mean, the fact the year we played LSU in the Citrus, there was a lot of. Uh, you know, Notre Dame could have played Oklahoma State in the Camping World Bowl. And there's a lot of people with a lot of interest in that just because of the style of play that uh, the Oklahoma State has. Okay, so at 11 and 1, where do they go? Well, I mean, at 11 and 1, you could, you got two options. You have, let's say, the Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, or playoffs. And I mean, if your only loss is to Georgia, and if I'm if I'm sitting here today and saying that you're going on the road and you're losing by less than a touchdown to Georgia on the road and that's your only loss, I mean, there's a possible playoff there. I are they shut out of the Orange Bowl though? The, your 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 article on What for Down about bowl tie-ins didn't include the Orange Bowl. Is there a reason that they excluded the Orange Bowl in this? You know, I'm. There's one of them that they're not eligible for. That's not well. Not not according to what I wrote. Maybe some other site who was wrong. <laughs> I'm serious. Like uh, College Football News was wrong about about uh, something that they had had on there about the Bulls. Okay. 
So I am this right. This is great radio. Yeah, yeah, was right. this, uh, is, yeah, great this is great. Like, we're, we're, uh, hold on while I Google this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I, the, the Orange Bowl is totally up for grabs uh, for Notre Dame. I wrote this article at the beginning of June, um, uh, and it's and it is definitely there. Okay. Okay, so back to back to your point. Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Except it is not there. It is not there. That's why I said it wasn't there. <laughs> Maybe that was I. You know, I know exactly what I did because I went I went digging into like why in the hell is this not coming up on this site showing this and then found out it was legit and I ended up dyslexia. Perfect. Okay, we spent a lot of time already on this, but uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's important for to tell our, our listeners whether or not the Orange Bowl is in play. You know, it is most definitely in play. Um, okay. It, it, well, I did. I did talk about. I did talk about it uh, above all the bowls. I don't know why I didn't list that in the in the possible bowls, but, but so the Sugar say- Bowl. The Sugar Bowl is the one that they're they're exempt from, right? Cause that's sec big 12. They can't go to the sugar bowl. Yeah. I, th- I want to say there's I, one I, of them. They can't play. I definitely know that. I would believe it'd be the sugar bowl. Okay. So you can be right. There. Anyways. So I don't going- know. I mean, it, it could be a playoff game. It could be a, it could be a oh. orange bowl, cotton bowl. Orange bowl is played at the, at hard rock stadium, which we, is not a good place for us. Right. You got to get over that hump someday, man. Yo, absolutely. Let's do it against Brandon Wimbush and UCF. I, is that, is I, like that possible? It, I like to do it against Wake Forest, like Kansas got to. But I mean, <laughs> oh, wow. whatever, whatever one of those <laughs> bullshit Orange Bowl games were played, where someone gets a big, right? big bowl win over nobody. Yeah, Connecticut, uh, Northern Illinois. One time, I remember Kurt Herbstreit went absolutely crazy when Northern Illinois got a bid against what Florida State one year, and he's like, Northern Illinois does not belong here, and it was just uh, it was absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Mac. I'm a Mac guy. I'm a mid-major guy, <laughs> but there's a difference between like a Boise State and a UCF right now than your Mac champions. There just is. There's a huge difference. Right. And for them to be able to squeak into some some shit just because of the way their schedule works out, where they played no one, or maybe you know surprise win. It's just come on, you know. And then that all that is that's a free for all for whoever get whoever gets that if they show up with a non-georgia attitude about we you know we deserve better you know or whatever excuse you want to throw down because you just got spanked you know yeah no, they, play, I, they played as a 12 and one team in the orange bowl against florida state and they got smacked they got absolutely smacked so, yeah i mean and who was predicting otherwise no one i believe yeah the orange bowl is like a cesspool of <laughs> Like over the last like 15 years or so, a cesspool of horrible games, absolutely horrible bowl games. And the Fiesta Bulls had uh, their fair share too, but the Orange Bowl is just rotten. It's rotten oranges, man. It's like it's like the oranges went bad, like in trading places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Man. I did not expect to get a trading places reference in, but here we are. Awesome. I, I can throw it in anytime, but. I'm sure so we're going to move on from this. So Jude is Jude is dead set that we're going to lose every hard game we have this year. I and, and apparently sneak into a seven and six bowl. I apologize for that. I was <laughs> unaware. And I I will put us in into 
you know, 11 one slot just based off of who I think were, who is better, just putting it down in front of one at a time is, is where I'm going off of on that. Cause that's all I can really do sitting here in July. And, you know, Georgia is still better than us. Although I think there are some, there are some, some things Notre Dame can do to win that game, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to roll 11 one. I'm not, I'm, and I'm done making excuses for it. Okay. Um, you know, it is what it is. And I, and I guarantee you though, that week I'm picking Notre Dame. I, I'll, I'll drink enough gin that night of whatever I'm making my prediction. And I'll be and I'll be the guy studiously gathering all of the media predictions on a single spreadsheet and waiting, just waiting to call out all the people that that uh, that voted against Notre Dame, that predict against Notre Dame. I I was I was the pump was prime last year. If they had beaten Clemson, <laughs> that thing was going to go on for a week because no one, no one in the major media, like except with the exception of like some rando guy from like the New York Post and like some like. You know, uh, IT guy from ESPN, like pick Notre Dame to win that game. So you were like, it was like I, I can just see it, like on a scene, almost like on a <laughs> War Games. Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna, I was gonna start a new account, and it was. Just Do you want to like, play a game, Adam Rittenberg, You're an idiot. You know, like yeah. I don't know. You uh, could just, you know what? You're gonna publish like 20 stories of the same thing, <laughs> just replace the name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, here you go. We got. 20 stories published today. So please, please tweet at me and DJRS. If you want to see the spreadsheet of all the people that correctly picked Clemson to win the game last night or last year, because I've I've got, I've got a massive list. So oops, (laughs) oops. And they were right. They were right. They were really, really right. They were all right. They all said, everybody who said Clemson, they were very right. They were very right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's, now let's uh, let's ease into some things where we're not uh, tiptoeing in the uh, bulletin board material <laughs> waters, <laughs> and that's well, and that's uh, just more of individualized uh, stuff here. You know, team leaders and what they're doing, okay. and there's a whole bunch of stats, right? I'm not going to do go into some crazy, uh, you know, nerd math metric stuff here. So this is this is going to be down. basic. <laughs> yeah, who's you know who's going to catch the most uh, third down passes on th- you know third and seven plus yards? Uh, but you know we'll we'll keep it basic here. I mean, the answer is Chris Fink, but keep going. Oh, let's see. <laughs> I'd go Claypool. <laughs> I, it's, Clay, it's it's definitely Claypool. I'd go Claypool. I mean, on, th- on third seven plus, <laughs> I'm going to go Claypool. And you throw it up high, right? You throw it like the boy, like they used to do with Boykin. Boy, it's basically Boykin, but. Uh, yeah. Okay. See, that's Anyways. what that's what we're not doing. And that's sitting, what we're not doing. <laughs> we're sitting here doing it. That's how awful we are. Yeah. So so much for structure. Um. <laughs> so let's get a little. Let's get right to it. Run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. Who leads the team in rushing yards, Jude? Uh, I mean, look, I'm going to go with the easy answer, Jafar Armstrong. Right. If he stays healthy, there's no reason to think he won't get the the line share of the carries, and therefore. I, you know, I think he's more of a elusive back than, than Tony Jones Jr. And so I think it's the easy pick and I'd be surprised if you pick someone different. No. Yeah. You got to go with, uh, with Jafar on that one. I mean, I, it's, it's almost a diss to Jafar <laughs> right now. If you, when you say that's all we got, uh, because you're, you're kind of like just kind of shrugging your shoulders when you say it. Uh, but look, Jafar Armstrong, you know, healthy was a, is a good running back. You know, he's a good option. 
and another year in the system, another year learning the position, uh, and hopefully another a year of you know an off season of gaining health, uh, like hearts, like in uh, whatever video game of your choice. Um, he could be a lot better. Uh, so you know, he, he was just so he was pretty green, and and I, I thought he did I thought he did pretty well, and I like him out of the. I mean, we'll get into receiving yards and all all that, but. And I know we're talking about rushing yards, but look, as a running back, he's he's really versatile. Um, he can do a lot of different things. I, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if it was anybody but Jafar. I think but, the two harder questions are, will Jafar Armstrong rush for 1,000 yards this season, and who will be the third – who will have the third most rushing yards? Oh, okay. Well, let's answer those. We got a I say no, I say no to 1,000 yards, although Dexter Williams certainly did it last year. Well, he had 995. Okay. So he basically did a thousand and he missed what four games, right? So a thousand is definitely doable. And I think the third re- leading rusher is Jameer, Jameer Smith. All right. Well, I'm going to go with uh, no, he's not going to get a thousand yards, but I'm going to go with my, my third leading rusher is Tony Jones. I Whoa. think, yeah. I, so who's second then book? No, no, I, no, I, I think, I think it's going to end. Let's, I think Jameer Smith, and this is a total, like I'm in, it's July and I'm just kind of like imagining, reimagining some scenarios here. I think Jameer Smith gets it done. Wow. I don't think he's Jameer that. Smith Kool-Aid and it looks like I have a comrade in arms. This is yes, great. You do. Yes, you do. And, right. But it's, but it's not, it's not so much. It's hard to explain because I, this isn't a, like a lack of confidence in Tony Jones other than like, I just feel <coughs> a lack of confidence, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, in some respects. And I, I, I just think after, once we get into the meat of the, or once we start getting into the middle of the schedule, I think Jameer is just going to kind of separate himself a little bit because I've, you know, unless Tony, you know, gets a little faster I, I just feel Jameer brings a little bit more to the table out there, and that's going to be that's going to work itself into into the mix. I, I it's kind of a crazy it's kind of a crazy pick, but I, hey, this is the time for crazy picks, right? That's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Let's see it happen. Yeah. So staying with the running backs here, though, rushing touchdowns, who which can be dr- dramatically different. Um, expect. You know who's who's your leading rusher compared to who scored the most touchdowns can be I should say can be dramatically different. Who do you got as uh, as leading Notre Dame there? I mean, are we are we just just rushing touchdowns or rushing running backs who with who can also receive and catch touchdowns that way? No, ju- pure rushing touchdowns. All right, I still go Armstrong. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll go that route too. But um, my close second, Ian Book. I just think there's going to be enough. There's going to be a few. There's going to be enough games where that where it's just going to be there when you when you get into that 10, 15 yards, and then he's going to take it. Yeah, I, I, think I, just, had, I don't. I don't had a great run against game. Northwestern on a like a totally faked out the entire uh, stadium kind of run. I don't think their running game is going to be very strong this year. I, I think it's. I think it's going to be solid, but they're they lost a lot a pop. With Dexter Williams, I mean a lot of pop, right? And so I just feel after after Jafar, I think Ian's the one that's going to be getting the call 
you know, for better or for worse, here and there, he's going he's gonna to score a few more touchdowns. Because other than that, it's, it, you know, it's going to be like Michael Young in the back of the end zone on a pass. So. All right. I could buy that. That that's just my reasoning. I mean, combined Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush had five touchdowns last year. So um that would have if they were if they were one unit, that would have been good for third place on the team last year. Dexter had twelve, Jafar right. had seven, um right. the quarterbacks had five, and then Tony Jones had three. I mean, and three of books were in one game. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Rushing touchdowns against Wake Forest. So but, you know, how many rushing touchdowns did Whitbush have in 2017? Oh, you know God. that? <laughs> I don't know. I'd be closer to that total, whatever that right. is. Not, not a, I know that he set a record. Or Wait, didn't Whitbush set, set the record? Well, I think it was Kaiser set the record, right? The rushing touchdown record? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that was Kaiser. Yeah, I think he had, what, I, was a 14 or something like that? Yeah, ridiculous amount. Yeah, <laughs> should never be running the ball that much. Um, but all right. So, I, so I, I think that you and I are on the, you know, just looking at uh, this position group. I think you and I are seeing eye to eye here about, you know, what might happen, uh, you know, on the ground. Sure. Are you are you how, how confident are you in the running game? Uh, well, our leading rusher is a as a converted wide receiver. Um with an injury history behind him is a, uh, guy with an injury history, uh, behind him is a, uh, red shirt freshman. Right. I mean, well, Jameer played last year, but he didn't make the four games. I don't think. Right. Oh, no. So, and then, um, I'm hoping for good things from Kyron Williams. Cause he's like a little bowling ball and I love him. Um, but I, I no, I don't have any confidence. I like, that's why, to, that's why I don't think Jeff, Jafar will rush for a thousand yards and, and I like our offensive line, but I also think um, I'm worried about Aaron book banks uh, having a minor foot surgery. I, I don't know. Like that's a minor about big boys. I, that's what I'm, that's, that's what I feel like. I, I mean, they can call it whatever they want, but they can call like, it whatever they want, but yep. it's still foot surgery. I just, you On know, a big boy. Right. So, yeah, I, that, that's, I mean, that's scary. It's the most under, and you know, look, it's the most under talked about, <laughs> about and, situation, and I, and I get that the 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 you know the guys in the Goog who talk to the media members are hyping up Jared Patterson, but he's he's starting at a position he's never played at, and it's a key position. And I'm just I'm not saying it's going to fall apart. I'm just saying I've you know, got worries. I will say I did go back and watch a spring game. What was that two? Whatever it was like two weeks ago or something like that. Trying to key in on on as much as I could with Patterson. Um, I had a hard, I had a hard time at the game, really locking in on him. I was trying to, trying to watch some other things, and then bullshitting around there. But, but uh, I thought he, he looked all, he looked fine to me. I, I don't know what fine that means come season time. You know what I mean? But he didn't look lost. He didn't look out of place, and looks like he. I mean, I, I think that Sam Musford lost like three steps last year, and. Uh, I hate to be critical of a guy who was, you know, a, you know, a, t- a former team captain and and some of that the teammates loved and all that. But let's face it, you know, there's a reason why he didn't go to the go to the combine and why he wasn't drafted. And I, I kind of feel like this is a kind of a step up. I, I've, I've put that in print in a story before, where you know maybe we're actually getting a step up here. He's a much bigger body. 
than Sam. And maybe there's yeah. a hunger there that, that, that wasn't there. You know what, Mustafer? I, I don't know. I'm just saying from going back and trying to watch what how he played, I it wasn't it wasn't like eyeballs popping out of my head or anything, but at the same time I wasn't like shaking my head either. He he looked but, like he was doing just fine right there. So maybe this is my ignorance, but I thought the center was the guy who who noted the the what the defense was doing and called out protections and, and not always. Of, okay, not always. So that that well, job's going to be somebody else's, or it's going to be Patterson's this year because he's got also just learned to snap the ball. Like right, he, didn't, no, that, he like, wasn't he, doing it. He wasn't doing it all last year in practice right. at all. Right, which, and which is astounding that there was that much confidence in Patterson. <laughs> Like day one from spring, like Jared Patterson is our starting center. Like holy shit! Like that one came out of nowhere. Right. Um, and then with Rulin possibly no, being on the shelf, I, I just you know. No, I mean there other guys on the line can make those calls. It doesn't always have to be center. I mean you can see down the line there. Um, it's just it. A lot of it ends up going on to the center down the road because of. I mean it's just kind of like the way that position goes. But, you know, a guard, a tackle, I mean, the quarterback can call, you know, can call, you know, changes in, in, uh, in blocking schemes. Sure. You know, maybe that, maybe well, that, not maybe that is the unseen. Deafening uh, in Athens. I think I agree with you. Well, you know, maybe that is the unseen Achilles heel, you know, moving, moving forward with that is that maybe that's the extra bit getting put on book's plate that you just wish wasn't there. You know what I mean? Right. So that I don't know, I, but I'm going to try to find that out, actually. Okay. Um, okay. That's going to be something I'm going I'm to look into <laughs> into fall camp. Because I, I never gave – I didn't really didn't give it much thought in spring. I'm not familiar with fall camp. Is that like summer camp? It I is know. called – I know. I, I know. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose this so hard. But you're going to lose it every time. This bothers me to no end that, that, that they practice all summer and they call it fall camp. I don't, know, I don't get it. Because they're camping for fall. All right, just, okay. just go with that explanation. It'll make your life easier. I what, do call, just, what do they call I spring camp? Is it like spring camp or is it, or is it summer camp? Look, my, camping for spring, right? My birthday is on August 12th. It's a summer birthday. Sucked Ooh. in high school. I had two days of my birthday every year. <laughs> horrible. And it's summer, right? But no, it's fall camp. Just You just got to – it just is what it is. <laughs> Dude, like a, uh, like a I, if I have the die on, and I'm gonna die on them. Okay, I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you. Like my kids, like asking why, asking <laughs> why about whatever the hell they're asking why about. Finally, you're just like, cause I said so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let's get to, let's get to guys who I, I just I for all our for all my run the you know run the damn ball bravado. I just think this is going to be a year where we're going to uncork it a little bit more in air just because yeah. there's, there's just more to go with. There's more weapons. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. More weapons. And I don't think that that means that, you know, abandon all ye hope and go air rate it out. <laughs> I think, I think that what's going to, it's just going to lean one way, right? It's going to lean one way or the other. It's not going to be perfectly balanced. And it's going to lean towards a pass because we're built right now. have a right mix. Is there, is there some, are you like a 55, 45 guy or what's your, what's your kind of like, I mean, I, ideally I'd like, I would like to see like a 55, 45, you know, even 60, 40 to me is, 
acceptable. <laughs> I, I sixty in the run. I mean, I would just like I would like to see sixty in the run though. I mean, we're back to Carlisle Holiday though, right? I don't mind. I mean, if you can run, if you can run the Those ball, offenses weren't very potent. If you can run the ball, you can run the ball. I mean, I, I think Notre Dame could have. They were fairly potent running the shit on the ball with, you know, Josh Adams, you know, last couple, last couple of years, really, when they've had good running backs and last year, their line wasn't even all that great. I mean, there was a ton of, we brought this up a few times, but there's a ton of, you know, zero carries or negative in our carries. And, but then you finally have that pop and we're not going to have that this year. So but I'm just saying you get those yards off of those tries, you know, it, it's a matter of calling the damn thing. Um, so I will tell you in 2017, Brandon Wimbush as our quarterback, 61% run, 38 point, 30, 61.5% run, 38.5% pass. Last year was 56% run, 43.8% uh, pass. Yeah, I like those. I like those. Okay. I, I mean, I've been, since Chip Long. And then, and then if you go back to I, I, closer to I have the not first. Had a, yeah, since Chip Long's arrived in South Bend, I have not had an issue with run pass percentage play calling. So I, I, I think it's been, I've been pretty happy with it in the Dane Chris to Michael Floyd kind of era, 2010, 2011, it was 53.7% pass 46.3% run in 2010. And then like a 52, 48 type thing in 2011. Pass. Yeah. And I guess that, did, and I, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you're out on that, you know, personnel wise, I mean, right. what are you doing? What are you doing with that percentage? Um, you know, are you are you allowing a a um, turnover? You know, voodoo ridden quarterback too many chances to turn the ball over. You know, as you know what I'm saying. Like, there's a there's a time to dial it back because of personnel reasons, one way or the other. Yeah, and I think just the the fact that Ian Book is not as much of a runner as Brandon Wimbush is going to cut down on it's going to up the throws and cut down on the runs. I, I, I that's what I'm thinking, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. If we I, see I, a if we see a 44 56 <clears throat> mix like we did last year, I think that that seems that seems right and maybe it's maybe it's closer to 47 53. You know, like it was in uh 2016. I thought we agreed not to really bring that year oh, up. I apologize. Absolutely not, sir. <laughs> Absolutely not. Unnecessary. All right. So receiving. All right. So let's get to the receiving yards. Who is going to be Notre Dame's? Uh, okay. We'll break this down to three categories. Um, who is going to lead the team in receptions this year? Chase Claypool. Receiving yards. Chase Claypool. Receiving touchdowns. Chase Claypool. So the Maple Bandit sweeps it all. I mean, what, what, what do you got? Do you got anything different? Not really. I, I, I put in a bold prediction a couple months ago for receiving touchdowns that Chris Fink was going to lead the team. And I think I'll, I'll stick with that, and which is a weird – it is a very, like – I mean, he had two it, touchdowns it, last year. One, right, of them, it, one of them was very, very memorable. Right. He had two touchdowns. The other one was against USC maybe <clears> at the end of the year. He just – I think they're going to find more ways to get him the ball in the red zone. Okay. I, I 
I mean, and, are you on? Are you on the Cole Komet train? Because I am not on the Cole Komet train, but I, I like. I am Pete, to. A, Pete Sampson is very much on the Cole Komet train. Yeah, I know a lot of people. They, everyone wants to be right because I mean, <laughs> he he checks every every box there is, um, outside of how much have you actually done in a game. But you know, I mean, so no, I'm not on that. I'm not on that train right now. I'm just not. But I I made that bold prediction about Fink because I I just think that. After everything you see and hear, like especially those last three, and I was like, the practice reports are Chris Finke didn't embarrass somebody today. That was the news. Didn't yeah. embarrass not just somebody. Did not embarrass everyone today. That means something to me. Like they're going to find ways for him to get the ball. I just, but the the main thing with that though is his touchdowns are going to have to be more of the the longer versions. Like he's not running the he's not catching that slander. You know, remember what, remember what TJ Jones used to do really well is, is run the kind of that in and that in and out route down there in the goal line. And it, that's just not, that's not going to be Finky's thing. But if book could actually throw a ball past 25, 30 yards, there's more there. Right. How much more than Claypool? Maybe that more. I mean, it, it was a pretty, <laughs> it, it was bold for a reason, right? Sure. Um, but I just, I, I think that they're going to really try to include, make Finky a, a bigger focal point of the offense. So, yeah, I mean, I see Claypool as maybe getting uh, thrown at maybe a hundred to 110 times catching 70 balls. You just did an article oh, about targets. Yeah. 11, 1100, 1200 yards, maybe. What, what, what's about the average just off the top of your head around, around the average for your top re, top receiving targets each year. Well, Miles Boykin had 96 last year. He was he was number one uh, for that year. Um, Equinemius St. Brown, I think, was top in 2017, and that was 73. Uh, but again, Brandon Wimbush was your quarterback, right. so uh, EQ was number number one in previous year with Kaiser's quarterback, and that was 89. Um, looks like 95 was the top. Will Fuller in 2015, and he had 115 in 2014 with Golson under center. So it was it was trending towards like a hundred, and now it's so more, somewhere like in the ninety well, to hundred. Yeah, it's, range. it's a ninety to hundred. I think yeah, okay. is a, is probably here. So that's Miles Boykin ninety six targets. I mean, I feel like that's that's Chase Claypool next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that for sure. So yeah, I'm. I think we're we're lockstep a little bit there. Like I, I went a little bolder with Fingy, but <laughs> I'm I'm going to stick with my bold prediction there, and but knowing damn well that that Claypool looks to be the absolute man this year by, and by all accounts should be. Um, all right. So let, let's step away from the offense for a moment here. Um, actually, you no, know, one more question. Sure. Who plays fullback this year? Does uh, Brock, Brock Wright, Brock Wright stay, stay in that role or does Tommy tremble move up into that, that, that spot? Oh, I, you know what? I don't. I honestly don't know him enough about Tommy Tremble to, to say whether or not he moves up. I just. I mean, Brock Wright was the one who came to mind. I guess if you just like, if you just like move up the guys in the in the pecking order, you know, like Komet takes takes Alize's spot and Brock takes Komet's spot, and you know what I'm saying. If you just yeah, did sure. that, wouldn't that wouldn't that basically put Tremble that? I, I just want to see a running back number back there at fullback so I can be happy for a day. You know, I thought they were going to do more with uh, Keenan. What was his name? The uh, walk on from who came the grad transfer from Auburn. Keenan yeah, I really, Sweeney. 
I really thought they were going to use him to, in a few packages. You're right. I mean, I, yeah. I felt that too. Not that it was going to be a huge difference or all that. I just felt that he had played the position long enough and did so think, at Auburn that there, you would see a little bit more than just special teams out of Sweeney. Hey, man, as long as Carlo Calabrese isn't in the full pack position, I think I'm going to be all right. So. But, you know, Brock Wright, touchdown reception out of the fullback position. Right. Little, little, little fullback, fullback wheel route there. A little flare. Yeah. Yep. Gotta, gotta love it. All right. To the defense? Yes, to the defense. And hey, we talk a lot about, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about the safeties, um, except, you know, with Loie Gilman and uh, Jalen Elliott. And even incoming, this guy, Kyle Hamilton, is going to have to live up to the billing <laughs> because he is getting an immense amount on. of press from everyone. I mean, everybody that covers Notre Dame is like drooling over his possibilities. So we talk a lot about the safeties, um, but overall defensive backs, who leads the team in, uh, in picks this year? It was Jalen Elliott last year with four. Oh yeah. God, I love Elliott. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll say Troy pride. Why not? Okay. Okay. I, I'm going to, I'm sticking with Elliott this year. I, I think out of his, I honestly think too that they are gonna do what's kind of been hinted about and move him down to nickel. Um, I, I I know a healthy Sean Crawford is a phenomenal nickel. I just don't know if he's gonna make it through the whole season. I mean, even 2017 when he did, it was like the after the half last half of the season was rough. Uh, he and he had admitted to hitting a huge wall. His body just is not hold up to it. Um, but you could see Elliot move down to nickel and Kyle Hamilton going back there at that, at his spot at safety. Um, and so I, I just think Elliot's going to get the opportunity, uh, to do some damage. I, I I'm not going to say it's a great, like an eight interception season, like a man, I take the season at middle linebacker, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> but, well, five uh, or six would be great, right? Yeah. You know, I, and I think, I think five or six, five or six interceptions is right. You know, I think that's exactly what's probably going to happen. I think he'll increase by one or two, and he'll lead the team. I, th- I think Troy Pride's going to n- nab a few, but I think because of the, I'm looking for Troy Pride to t- convert some of those pass breakups that he had last year in interceptions. I just, I just feel that they're they're going to do a lot what they did with Julian Love last year and not go his way as much. I mean, okay. it, it's an easy thing to do. It, it happens at every level of every level of competition that you're throwing the other way from from the best corner. It's why like after a, a corner, like, like Deandre Baker, (laughs) after you have like a great season, you know, the next season you come back, your stats go down because they're just not targeting anymore. You know, they're not not targeting over your way anymore. So you could definitely see that, um, with Troy pride, uh, you know, but I, I, but I think he's fat. I think he's good enough. He's got enough uh, corner skill set to sneak a few in there. I just don't know. Like, I like to see more technique out of out of Troy. I like to see a little bit more baiting when they go when they dip back into that zone um, and trying to do that. I just, but I don't know if that's in the wheelhouse of what Clark Lee is is calling uh, overall in the defense. Okay, sacks. Oh, I mean, it, do you, do you do you dare go against Julian Aquara at this point? I don't know, man. Do you, I mean, he's do the you, cover boy of the ND Insider magazine this year. 
Uh, he's the one that that uh, now. Well, first of all, he had he had eight sacks last year, which led the team, right? Right. And then um, he what had an ungodly amount of hurries, which I don't have on the screen in front of me. I don't believe. I believe Kelly said in the spring, if he had that, converted half of those, he would have been the sack leader in the nation, right? Yeah. Of the missed sacks that they that they charted. It was some ungodly number, like 27 or something, like, right? Yeah. So he said, you know, you get half of those, you're having like a Hall of Fame year. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it would have loved the nation for sure. Um, can you, do you think, uh, I, I think Acquire is, is the, the easy choice here, obviously, too, as well. But do you think he breaks Justin Tuck's record this year? What's the record? I, I want to say... <laughs> I'm asking you, can you break the record? And I can't even tell you the exact <laughs> record, but I, I think the sack record's 13. Oh, I don't know. 13 is a lot. Um, uh, yeah, why not? Let's go all in. I'll say yes. We're just going to say that, uh, that uh, Julian Love's going to, or Julian Aquara is going to have like the most ultimate season of all time, right? Yeah, like get, get him on the watch list early in the season, get him on the mid season cut down, get him on the final, final stage. So he's at the home Depot award center in December and give him the damn award. And, I, and I'm Googling, uh, for a yet yeah, sing. I was close single season, 2003, Justin Tuck, 13 and a half. And wow. he had, well, 24. Now, that put, now that you put the extra set, half sack on there, I'm not sure he's going to get it. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll, I'll still say yes. What the heck? I'll say yes. I don't, I, it didn't, it actually seems very far fetched to me, but I am just, I love him. I think he's great. And I think he's got a, he's got real power and he's got real speed. And then just, he's going to give people fits. And I, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to just run this down. So people can understand <laughs> how many sacks did, did Julian Quara have last year? It eight. He had eight. Um, this page is not updated then, uh, because that would eight would be, you would be tied eighth for all time, a uh, single season with like Corey minor in 96, Anthony Weaver in 2000, Ryan Roberts, in 2002 and Abby and Mary in, in 2005. So after Tuck's three and 13 and a half, 2003, Stefan to it with 12 and in, in 2012, Abby and Mary with uh 10 and a half. I mean, Abby and Mary was so productive quietly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so he had um, 10 and a half in, two, in 2006. So that's, you know, 18 and a half sacks in two years. Hey, Victor, Abbey, and Mary, we're going to, I'm going to bring you up more often. Um, and then uh, and these are all fairly like your and I's like college years on up, but uh, they got Mike Gann in 1984 uh, with 10. Burt Barry is tied with him in 96. So <laughs> Romeo, Romeo Quara had nine. In 2015, just running that all down for you. Got to get better than than Big Brother, right? So yeah, you can go after it. So I, 13 and a half sacks—that's a lot to that's a lot to overcome. It's a lot to overcome, and you know you don't have Jerry Tillery in the middle. So hey, single game. This is how sick Justin Tuck is. Single game sacks. Tuck has four has two four sack games. He did it in 2002 against Pitt and 2003 against Stanford. And then he had a three and a half sack game in 2003 against Pittsburgh. So in 2003, the year that he had 13 and a half sacks, he had seven and a half sacks against two teams on the schedule. Wow. So he had over half his sack totals in two games. Stanford was really bad back then. Oh, yeah. And Pitt wasn't 
much better, except they're a pit. You know, what I mean, it was a right. bastards biting you in the butt. <laughs> so, okay, moving on. Um, I, I was going to break this down into force fumbles and fumble recoveries, but I'm not going to. Um, so let's just let, let's talk about fumbles. And well, I'm just going to say who's in on it as a total of like <laughs> your total force fumbles and fumble recovery kind of mix. Who do you think is going to be that guy? So there's a couple ways I can go with this, right? I can go like disruptor up the middle. I can go like guy in the edge who does like the swipe on the quarterback as he's coming around the corner. Or I could go like a Loki Gilman because he had three last year, right? Because he forced right. three. I mean, he didn't recover three, but he forced three. Right. So Julian, uh, Julian Love actually recovered three. Um, I mean, is it weird to say like, yeah, let's say let's say Khalid Kareem. What the hell? He only had he only had one that he forced last year. Uh no fumble recoveries. But I'm gonna go him. I'm gonna say he he's the disruptor. Okay. Or I like more importantly, people are running away from Aquara and they run right into him and he gets opportunities. Yeah, I I like that pick a lot. Um, I just okay. like mine a little bit better and I'm okay. gonna go with I'm gonna go with Gilman. I just think there's gonna be more opportunity. The way that he tries to go about his business <laughs> back there, all out. Yeah, I mean, just it was the Vandy game. It was the Vandy. Yeah, oh game, yeah, right? it was Vandy right there on the goal. I mean, it, it right was up in the air, Love ridiculous. It. That that's a guy. I mean, we might as well make a tradition to bring up Wes uh, once or twice every podcast. But that, like that's he brought a, up Charlie Weiss. <laughs> that's a Wes Swigert kind of a guy right there. I mean, it's I mean, he constantly he tweets out about ripping, you know, ripping the ball. Gilman, at, at almost every point he's around. When he's making a tackle, he's reaching for that ball. So I, I just think he gets – he's going to be stronger. He he lacks zero – he doesn't lack any confidence. Uh, and it only increases. I just think that he's going to just play extremely balls out. And uh, I think he's just going to be in that mix. Um, maybe it's Jalen Elliott, you know, forcing a fumble. But you're – you know, right there is uh, Gilman, you know, on the, coming down 10 yards or so to pick it up. I just – Feel some way he's going to be that disruptor, but I really like your Khalid Kareem, um, you know, pick there as well for a lot of the reasons that you stated. Um, who's going to lead this team in tackles? We just we just lost our our top two tacklers, both were or two of our top three tacklers from last year in Coney and Tranquil. I mean, why um, you go why you go away from Gilman? Like, what's the argument against Gilman being the leading tackler? <laughs> I don't know. Do you really want your safety? being your leading he was a second leading tackler last year right but i mean are you gonna go asmar balal are you gonna go <laughs> like knowing that he I may mean, not he do may we not even last know the who the linebackers season. are at this point <laughs> right that's the thing is which linebacker are you going to reasonably expect to play 12 games and have enough and have enough time to accumulate enough tackles so yeah, yeah i'm going gilman okay yeah I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. I just, I just thought I needed to bring it up. <laughs> Defensive touchdowns. Is we, do we get some this year? If so, who leads the team in that? Defensive touchdowns. Well, will one, will one win okay. the lead? Uh, yeah, I'm going to say one does it, and it's a Quora on a scoop and score. I'm going to go with two. Julian Aquara, one of them being an interception for touchdown. 
like Cora. a bad, like like the way he batted that pass against UNC in like 2017, and people were like, "Whoa!" Do you remember that? It could be something like that. You know, he had a, he had an interception against Michigan last year, and he had an interception against in 2017. Oh, I can't quite remember who the team was that he that he picked, straight up picked one off. You know, they got a bat. They drop him back here in coverage. It's, but uh, I just, I, I just I mean, how much pride in his elite speed taking one one of the house. You know when. Uh, if they really do the the field boundary with the corner situations, you're so far away a lot of times on the you know playing the field side. Like Julian Love, the way he played corner on the field, you weren't thirty yards downfield, forty yards downfield. You you feel what I'm saying? Uh huh. He, he was there's a little more straight line passes where he you know not always, but there's just more there's a higher percentage of. Isn't um, an open isn't an open question where they're going to actually play Troy Pride this year? I I I'm this is something Greg and I had long conversations about um, as far as and Philip and I did too as well. You know, between a left right situation or a boundary field, we're not <coughs> what they're saying. What they're saying is what they're not showing. We just don't, I just don't think we know right now for you know 100. percent I think they would like to keep with the boundary field uh, designations. Uh, but is that going to be feasible come game four? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they have to go left, right. Um, I, you know, I just don't know. I, in the, in the spring game, despite what was reported, (laughs) which was strange when people were talking about, there was a lot more left, right being played a lot of left, right being played. Like I think most of it was. So if that is that their plan moving forward, I don't know. I think it's all just going to depend upon who comes out of out of that spot, spot opposite of of uh, Pride. You know, is it does Dante Vaughn uh, do it? Is it does Griffith? You know, he make that extra step in progress from spring to now. Uh, you're probably going to need extra two steps. Um, what about you know. Temi Agoro? Yeah, I I just feel that that that's a, a, a going to be a bridge junior. too far. Maybe I I don't doubt that. Like if they if somehow they get a scholarship open, he's getting it. Sure. All right. He's he's gonna he's gonna get it. He's he's on that cusp of 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 uh, being that much more a part of the you know the game plan. But I think you know a healthy Dante Vaughn, you know with Houston Griffith, and you know I'm not gonna throw Avery Davis in that mix at all. Um, just kind of you're gonna see one, I think one of those two. People asking about Sean Crawford playing their side. He's just, he's just not going to. I, I just don't feel that that's going to be part of the plan at all um, to put Sean Crawford out, out on the edge. Yeah. So, and then I, the last one for tonight, uh, kicker. Does, oh, my does, God. Who, who is Notre Dame's kicker against Louisville, and who is Notre Dame's kicker against Stanford? So – the kicker against Louisville is Jeff, as I feel confident, is Jonathan Dorr. The one I against Stanford, uh, I mean, I have, I, I'm, I'm tempted to say Harrison Leonard, which is the real name of lacrosse bro kicker. Um, Not yet. <laughs> can't even say it. It's like sight rule right now. Um, 
Uh, you know what? I'll, go, I'll 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 be optimistic, even though this is the this is probably the unit that I feel the least confident of, and that includes linebackers. I'll say door all the way through. I don't. I, I guess I, I don't believe in it, but I think I'm just going to be contrarian to possibly your position. Yeah, I think. Well, either mine read me, or maybe I wrote it somewhere. I think lacrosse pro kicker is going to win out in the in fall camp, also in the summer season. Um, I I don't think the staff has a lot of confidence in Door, <coughs> and I think they'll use the. I don't want to say excuse, but it's it's because it's a way that they've gone about it um, throughout the years, where they don't like to they technically don't like to use their their place kicker as their kickoff kicker. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think you're going to see Harrison Leonard be your place kicker and door is going to stay at, at kickoff. I, as long as he keeps it within the field, I'm kind of okay with that. I, and I just feel that that's a position where it, it's a position where in the, in camp, in the preseason coaches aren't going to bat an eyelash to go with who they think's better. You know what I mean? Like it's not like a quarterback situation or a running back situation, maybe where, where there's, I don't want to say, but there's other factors other than on the field. You know what I mean? Like there's a, a favoritism a little bit or a trust. They're just going to go with flat out who they think is best. It's it's the position where I guarantee you they're put almost every team in the country is putting their best player out there at all times. What the best one that they got uh, at all times because of, <laughs> You know, it's not like you got a five-star kicker, a true five-star, not a not a Coles five-star, that you have to appease in some way. Uh, I just, and I just think Lacrosse Bros going to end up doing it somehow. I I just Call me I want to I want to take a minute and just say that Justin Yoon was consistently the most underappreciated person his entire four years there. Like when they were ranking every year, uh, used to be Keith Arnold and now and now Douglas Farmer over at. Uh, inside the Irish and NBC would ask, would solicit uh, beat writers for their top 25 players. And Justin, you almost never made that list or he'd make it at the bottom. And I'm telling you, if he went down, it's back to like, where the hell are we? You know what I mean? Like I put Justin uh, in, in, in those rankings with, uh, with NBC, I ranked him inside the top 25 each time. Yeah, but I'm just—he was the time. guy we could we could least afford to lose last year. Oh, I agree. You know what I mean? So no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I might even had—I'd I, have to go back and look, but I think I might have ranked him inside the top fifteen do last. You remember year. Carl Joya and David Ruffer and like how every even like yeah. extra points were Brandon were Walker, Brandon Walker, yeah, Brandon Walker. I mean, extra points were hold your breath affairs. You know, right. so no, I get um, it. Uh, I just think that that's a lot of stress that we didn't have to endure for four years. And now it's going to come back and, and bite us in a really bad way. Okay. So while on that, just on that note, all right, your field goal percentage career leaders, Justin Yoon, 82 freaking percent. And number two was John Carney <coughs> at 73%. So that's almost a 10% deficit. Yeah, and number three was Brinza. So yeah. I, it's a huge now. David Ruffer, though, single season, he's a single season record holder for field goal percentage in 2010 at 94.7 percent. What John Carney was number two at 89 and a half. 
Justin Yoon was at 88.2. So the thing with Justin Yoon was he was consistent throughout his whole career. Um, How many kicks did David Ruffer have to get to 94.7%? Holy cow. I don't know what the, uh, (laughs) what the, what the, the, uh, minimum, minimum amount was. That was field goals or extra points? Uh, field goals. Okay. I, 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 18 of 19. Okay. Wow. That, that 19 seems like a decent amount. Well, and the off chance that David Ruffer is listening to our podcast, I guess I apologize for lumping you. You, you owe David, you owe David Ruffer an apology. Just like the temptations owe David Ruffin an apology. <laughs> Sorry, David. Yeah, but it, it's sick. But here, you know, here, here's another stat. Well, I got like kicking stats brought up, which is like rare for me. Uh, field goals made in a career. Kyle Brins at 57. Uh, Justin Hughes not on that list. He's not ranked in the top five of made in career. Single season, Justin Yoon was eighth with 15. Kyle Brinza, 23 in 2012. Yoon had a 15 in 2015. Kyle Brinza kicked five field goals in that USC game in 2012. That's yeah. what I remember. He kicked a lot of field Kyle Brinza and Justin Yoon are probably like, those guys should be best friends for life. But, mm-hmm. but that, but, but wasn't it one after another? I mean, was it Brinza? Yeah. So you had Brinza from 2011 to 2014, and then it wasn't it Yoon right after that? Yeah, Yoon started in 15. That was his yeah. first year. Yep. So, I mean, Notre Dame has consistently had a really good kicker since Brian Kelly's entire tenure here, outside of 2010. And we just proved that wrong because David Ruffer was 90 fucking 5%. So, um. he, and how, so how do you not kick the field goal against Tulsa? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Wes, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you are absolutely right, man. It, it, it is going to be the, that is the biggest, I don't care about, I mean, I care about the linebacker situation, <laughs> but the biggest one hands down is replacing Justin Yoon. And by the way, Tyler Newsom, it, it's, it, you're more probably dead on by far than I am with your season record, just based off of we're going to lose a game because of special teams. Yeah. We've lost games because the guys miss field goals at the end of, at the end of games right. in recent history, Kyle Brenza for sure did it. Um, so if I, just, I did a, if I did a more in depth analysis laid down like overall scope instead of going game by game. Like I was basically did mine, but like NCAA tournament basketball style, you know, just game by game thing. Sure. If I, if I looked overall scope of things, I, you'd have, I'd have to have more than one loss. I have to just based off of that alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think we're there. I, I think that's all we're, we got an hour in. We got, we talked a lot of, I, I appreciate it. Appreciated all the commercial breaks we took during this segment. No, we I did hope- not. So guess what? <laughs> One of our pauses. Sorry, guys. I'm so, I'm sorry about that. That abrupt boom <laughs> kicker. I apologize, but uh, we were so wrapped up in our not our football knowledge here that uh, I forgot that I was supposed to be like an actual host uh, <laughs> instead of like just a phone call. So, um, you should, but you should appreciate that. You know, we're, 
we're keep, I'm keeping it real here. Uh, but I do apologize for the abrupt uh, ads getting blown in your ear midway through. <laughs> so, <laughs> dude, you got anything else for us tonight at all? Uh, my parting thought was is just the same as it was the last time we talked. Uh, please consider donating to uh, to Ryan Ritter ND Texas uh, fundraiser. It's at extralife.ndtex.com. You can donate there. Uh, any donation amount is appreciated. Uh, he's getting very close to drinking some really obnoxious drinks. So uh, you know, if you want to throw down twenty bucks now, you don't have to watch him watch or play video games. I don't. I still don't understand what the hell's going on. Um, <laughs> but I'm very supportive of the cause. Again. It's raising money for um, uh, for uh, to help parents of sick kids who are staying at the Children's Miracle Network Hospital in Oklahoma City, which is um, the hospital that served uh, his wife's uh, college roommate's son before he died uh, tragically at just a couple of years of age. So, um, if you go over there and just give a couple bucks, uh, I'd really appreciate it. I'm sure he'd really appreciate it. Uh, it's the right thing to do. So I've said enough about it. Just donate, please. I don't know. Maybe we can never say enough about uh, helping your fellow man. Yeah. I mean, honestly. So, uh, so say it as many times as it needs to be said. That's uh, that's an excellent point. And look, all I only thing extra I got tonight is is I'm just basking in all this patriotic glory of uh, of America. Uh, <laughs> the women's soccer team. I'm loving the. Uh, I'm loving every bit uh, about everything. I mean, I'm not a big soccer guy. I just, I'm just not. Uh, I don't mean to get political, but I do love how it annoys our president. I, I, I do love for some reason it just he can't he can't be happy about the women's soccer team. So yeah, no, I I, I think we shall be happy for him. No, I thoroughly enjoy that part. <laughs> but it's it's like uh, this. This feels like me out there. You know what I mean? This. This feels like the people I know, like this isn't like your neighbor that you're playing against. It's some other freaking country. Uh, show them up. I, I just, I'm not an old school person. Go about your bed. This isn't normal. This is like the greatest thing of all time for the people in that sport. This is and like, to, this is it, Eng- man. Be England on July 2nd. I mean, that's just so fitting. It's so great. Yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I can't, I, I haven't looked at breaking teas. Uh, new shirts for <laughs> after this, but it's they're, they're going to have to be some good ones, yeah. like possible. So I don't know. I, I just wanted to say that I I just think uh, what the women's team is doing is is fantastic, and I love every bit about it. The uh, the the tea drinking thing was that's I mean that's Ocho Cinco right there. You know what I mean? Like was, the little bits of the of the NFL celebration that you love. Yeah. These girls are doing it. They're yep. pretty fun. They're really I, fun. So. I hope we're very close to pulling a Sharpie out of the goalpost and signing a soccer ball, <laughs> kicking into the stands. <laughs> Whatever it takes. As long man. as they don't do the Gus Ferrat where he slammed his helmet against the uh, goalpost. That was not the smartest <laughs> thing that ever happened. Um, I'm totally okay. <laughs> Gus Ferrat's probably happened someday. Go, ladies, go. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, hey, thanks again for joining us, you guys. And, uh, and uh, we'll be back uh Probably was. I'll probably have some off the rails episodes coming up. Uh, probably even as much as late tomorrow night, uh, but throughout the week, we're starting to ramp up towards the season. We're getting Jude to realize that fall camp is actually in August. And we're gonna do it. So go Irish. <laughs> <laughs>